Bradley, what's up? Are you there? Yeah, uh, you got to unmute your mic on the app, but I think you are there, buddy. Sorry, everybody. This is Buddha, and you are listening to the This Is Not Financial Advice podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Larry Ellison, patron saint or evil villain. Uh, we'll let you guys decide, but uh, we're going to dive deep on this one. Bradley, you there? Yes, Buddha. We live? We live, my dog. Yeah, man. It brought me in as a speaker, not a host. I don't know what's. I don't know if that's the norm or what, but we're good. Yeah, I guess they're uh, changing the app around here in its infancy. But what's going on in your world, dude? Uh, stock market's rebounding a little bit, so I like that. I'm kind of getting FOMO that we're not going to have, uh, you know, a lower bottom because I've just been I've just been watching. I'm not trying to buy anything until it's pennies on the dollar. So I'm hoping we just have a little dead cat bounce here and we keep going but aside from that super hot in san diego so i'm just sitting inside enjoying uh ac and fans and um just just trolling people on social media trying to get them to come attend our podcast and listen to us hey there we go man yeah i've been trying to start some fights out there myself uh trying to uh get uh engagement up but uh you know i think we just got to keep pumping them out man and see how it goes yeah, dude. Uh, markets were up today. What are we looking at? S and P's were up a little over three percent. Nasdaq was up uh, three point, almost three point four percent, and uh, volatility futures are down a couple. Uh, per- our, the VIX is down over six percent today. So, uh, looked good, man. Yeah, it was a good day. I, I think I talked about it last time, but I sold or I, uh, you know, wrote a ca- cash covered put against Tesla. At a price I wouldn't mind uh, picking it up for, you know, but uh, I'm cool here collecting that juicy premium all day, dude. Yeah, nice. Palantir, PLTR, led by Alex Karp and Peter Thiel. Uh, That's my AI long-term tenure play, right? And uh, I love seeing it down here at $10, but a few weeks ago it was down at like 6 bucks, and I'm just salivating. I was salivating, and now I'm wondering if I missed the chance to scoop it up at, at dirt cheap prices. But at ten bucks, it still can't be beat. So there's my little decade long horizon play right there. Yeah, I'm all about Palantir. Uh, my cost basis is sitting at a little over twenty bucks. So uh, hasn't been the best for me, but uh, definitely uh, long term on Alex Carp and Palantir, dude. Yeah, anybody who's getting massive government contracts and doesn't really need to tell the general public what their entire business model is and is on multiple interviews saying, I don't give a shit what the value of the company is, we're going to make tens of billions of dollars out of this. It doesn't matter whether or not the general public knows it or not. Yeah, that's kind of the company that I like investing in because those are the guys that are just playing in a realm that no one else can access. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the, the rumor on the street is that they've created the closest thing to God that the world has ever seen. Well, did you see, are you tracking this? Did you see Alex Karp over in Ukraine meeting with, uh, what's his face? The Ukrainian president. Yeah, dude. What's he doing over there? I mean, killing Russians, killing Russians. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, I think they've, you know, I think they've created true, a true artificial intelligence. Now think about that, dude. If you, if our, if true AI with unlimited processing power, you know, we're talking quantum computers here, right? You know, we're talking like the world's most advanced supercomputers today. Yeah. 
you know, if you make a very complex password, it'll, it could take a, the most advanced supercomputer today can figure it out, but it'll take like 15 years. Right. A quantum computer can figure out the most complex passwords within a matter of seconds. Now imagine having true artificial intelligence that could basically have an un, unlimited access to all data across the entire world and the history of all data across the entire world and instantly correlate and make connections and make decisions based off that data. I mean, we're talking like if it's a device with Wi-Fi, if it's your freaking Roomba or your fridge, like it's going to tap into that. If you're walking down the street in New York City, this thing's <laughs> this thing's going to be able to hack into anyone's camera that's out there. It's going to be able to hack into the the cameras on the street and recreate a three dimensional live image of you wherever you are, as long as you're within the reach of Wi-Fi. And I th- I think that's what they have. I just like that it's my Roomba. That make that meets the list of concerns you have about my fucking Roomba getting hacked. <laughs> yeah, dude. But no, I mean, you know, it, it can get in. It. I think. I think that's what they're. That's what the secret is, man. And uh, getting into uh, Palantir at ten bucks uh, is not a bad play. I will take my tinfoil hat off now, and we shall continue. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's. It's a dangerous world out there. I think it's going to be just so wild. Imagine, like, I do like when you get to that crossroads of, you know, UAVs combined with AI and just, it, it'll get nuts, man. I think right now they're figuring out targeting solutions and how to best defeat, um, you know, assets that are on the ground. But eventually, who knows? Yeah, I really do think we're closer to uh, some of the very godlike intelligence that you're speaking to than, than most people really realize. I remember... Like, there's a few things that I've I've been correct about just five, ten years before everyone else even knew what I was talking about, including like Tesla in 2010. I remember my dad being like, oh, that's a silly startup company. And from 2010 till, till 2012, I was like, dad, you should be, you should put every dime into Tesla because this guy's going to get it done. And that's how I feel with Palantir. So it'll be, you know, we'll be war profiteers one day, but at least we'll have made some money. You know what else I like? He's an American, dude. Like, he's all about America. Like, he's not going to sell his stuff to our, even our allies, dude, you know? Yeah, no, no, you're not leasing this type of, this isn't some Five Eyes program. This is staying in, in-house. Yeah, I love it. But uh, anyways, moving on. What else is going on in the world? Oh, they overturned Roe versus Wade today. Not, uh, uh moving on. Just <laughs> It's no laughing matter. Uh, let's let, we're just laughing at the fact that we're gonna touch that one with a freaking ten foot pole. Um, but investment wise, I mean, what are some plays there, dude? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. All right, um, all right, cool. Uh, first thing we're gonna talk about here is uh, Larry Ellison. Now this has been in the news cycle mm. for a long time. But uh, Larry Ellison, if you're not familiar, Larry Ellison was the co-founder of Oracle. He's one of the richest dudes in the world. Uh, he's, you know, his fortune's worth like 95 billion or something like that. And he has basically bought the entire island of Lanai in Hawaii. So he's bought 98% ownership in Lanai. 
And, um, you know, it's the sixth largest island in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, it's quite honestly stirred up a, a lot of controversy here. So first off, 98%, I would love to meet the 2% or I would love to meet the owners of that like last 2%, dude, you know? I can't even imagine. And there's so much just, I wouldn't say um, cloudiness, but there's so many different interesting little factors around this island, right? It's He didn't buy it from the original inhabitants. He bought it from this guy, David Murdoch, who's a Kansas City boy, who, if folks don't know, basically runs the world uh, by you know selling pineapples via the Dole Corporation. In fact, here in sunny San Diego, there's a big barge that goes to and from Hawaii. I'm sure there's five or six of them on the route, but you see it every you know on a weekly basis pulling in, just dumping pineapples on the pier. And Lanai was basically just a giant pineapple farm that uh, David Murdoch, Murdoch had bought. And he is the one who actually sold it to Larry Ellison. So it's a billionaire to billionaire handoff. But to give you a little perspective on that, Murdoch's worth about $2 billion. He sold the island for $300 million to um, Larry. And Larry's worth about $90 billion at the time of you know this article being written, right? But people on the island are all about it. At least some of them are, because Larry, with his extra chunk of change compared to uh, David Murdoch, is you know transforming things, hiring people on the island, uh, promising to turn it into this vision of, vision of sustainability, and you know in the process ensuring that everyone can keep their homes and and remain a native of of this beautiful island. But to me, the giant the giant laughing point here is that he has this idea of turning uh i think he's calling it pulama pulama lanai is this idea of creating um it's an actual company that's supposed to like manage the resources of the island and the tagline is that they have this vision of sustainability for the island but i think it's just a laughing joke because if people have lived there for thousands of years without the assistance of a, a billionaire and his rich buddies I think the island has probably been sustainable up until this point, or at least up until the Dole Corporation, you know, put their talons into the place. And now we're probably just headed in towards an interesting manufactured Four Seasons environment, which there is now a Four Seasons on the island. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, uh, he started the Nobu as well. I mean, Nobu's legit. Uh, I think we ate there together maybe in Manila. I want to say one time there's a Nobu in Manila. Um, I'm not Are we sure. Talking about, pretty... That's like Robert De Niro's thing. Uh, that was next to the, I think the Nobu was in Robert De Niro and uh, Robert De Niro and what's his name? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's casino. And yeah, if this is news to you. Yes. Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio started a casino in Manila that just freaking robs all the poor people there of their like last dollars. Uh, which is really sad, but um, <laughs> that's a know. topic to jump into. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, dude, you know, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you really need to like start a casino in one of the poorest places, in, you know, in in the Southeast Asia? Like, what the heck, dude? Yeah. Uh, but yes, there is a Nobu there, uh, and the only reason I was able to eat there is because. Uh, you know, you could get a whole dinner for like freaking 10 bing bong bucks or whatever, whatever it is over there. Just getting pesos, uh, pesos. Filipino pesos. But um, 
yeah, it's like, you know, the, the conversion rate's awesome. So like we just ate like Kings there and it was like, you know, I think it was like ended up being like a fifteen twenty dollar dinner. Um, but delicious. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's nice having a Nobu there too bad. You know, he's probably paying all these guys minimum wage and they, none of them could afford to eat there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the first thing he did, which is like, just screams like evil, rich villain is like, he bought the, uh, like the one and only newspaper on the Island. So, you know, oh, he, ima- yeah, yeah. I, I imagine most of these folks like, you know, have probably been like, you know, they, they probably don't, they're probably not as online as the rest of the world, you know? So they probably still pick up the old newspaper on Sunday and, you know, he's just, uh, he's just getting, not only did he buy all the real estate on the Island, but now he's buying all the, uh, real estate in people's brains too. Yeah. It's, I mean, he, he owns the only gas station on the Island. He owns the, the grocery store. He owns it all. He owns everything, but what? 2%. I mean, that's extreme. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I would love to find out who the uh, the two percent of you know who owns that two percent who is like fuck off, you know? Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. love that move, dude. So he bought the island ten years ago in 2012 for three hundred million, and honestly, that's a that's a steal. I don't care how you measure that. You own one of the Hawaiian islands for three hundred million. I mean, put this into context. This costs him less than a percent of his current net worth. Wow, that's, that's nuts. I mean, on one hand, I don't blame him, but on the other, it's kind of like, dang, dude, how much do you need? And you know, it's crazy to think that's a, you know, what was that? Two thousand ten, you said. Twelve. Two thousand twelve. Now, like one million bucks can't even get you like a can barely get you like a three and two that's like sixteen hundred square feet within like ten miles of the coast in California. Right. Like he couldn't even even bought my my whole neighborhood I grew up in with that he bought an entire Hawaiian island that's freaking nuts, dude. Yeah, it's one of those funny things. Like, I I just got to know what the reality is because there's all these articles talking about you know, all the Tom Cruise and Oprah and all these rich people coming to the island and you know it's six star luxury basically and I'm sure there is some background concept of creating a you know sustainable ecosystem and all that, but. But these things tend to just, you know, fall apart in, in interesting ways. So, for instance, Ellison, Larry, he had promised that uh, on the island of Lanai, he'd build a 150-unit housing development, which would include homes for purchase, right? And he's got to do this because he's bringing in hundreds and hundreds of more employees to the island. And all his employees need a place to stay. And whether they're renting from the corporation, let's call it, or renting out in town with whatever whatever little equity the, the native inhabitants like have there, right? Whatever little duplex or shack on the beach they have, which is probably a fantastic experiment, you know, experience. By the way, I'd love to find one of those Airbnbs rather than the Four Seasons. But Larry goes to build these 150 units he'd promised he'd set up, and they changed their plans. And in fact, Palama the company that is all about sustainability and is basically managing the island, they changed the plans and they've announced that those will all be rentals and there will be no equity ownership in any of the units that they provide for for those individuals. So, you know, best made, best laid plans of men and mice. I I don't know, but uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a boa constrictor that's just going to make the island tighter and tighter. And let's not lie. If Larry could buy that last 2%, he would do it. 
Oh, for sure. And I, you know, this really like reminds me of like, uh, you know, like the, uh, the coal miners in Pennsylvania and like the, you know, early 1900s where like, you know, they, they had like, they worked in the mine, the mine owned the town and the mine owned the only company store grocery store in the town. Yeah, unless you yeah. wanted to drive like 50 miles, which no one at that time ever ventured more than like five miles from where they were born. So you had to use your entire check to like, you know, they, they made it. So you, it was just livable, you know, basically <laughs> right. indentured servitude. And uh, it'd be interesting to see to like topples out there because I'm sure they're kind of split on it. Maybe it's I mean, and I, you know, looking through these articles, there's definitely some people who are like, oh, yeah, we love him. He's a great guy. He's making the island way better. But, you know, is that like coerced? Are they like, look, you know, are, it, I feel like it's like a, a Putin situation where they can't really speak out against them, you know, Oh or yeah, man. they'll have like a car accident or something. This one particular article I've got pulled up is, you know, it's got a quote from a lady who's who owns a gift shop in, excuse me, she owns a gift shop in town and she manages rental properties for Ellison's visiting employees. And she says, he's amazing. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, please. And it's like, wow. Um, but there, you know, he seems to have brought about some financial changes compared to the Murdoch days. So who knows where where that will go. But at the end of the day, when you're the purchasing power in town and you're the person sustaining the economy there, here's the real threat, Travis. Forget about Ellison being a good or bad guy or, you know, screwing over uh, the island inhabitants. What if he leaves? Like, what if he just washed his hands and was like, ah, you know what? That was a fun half billion dollar experiment. I'm just going to I'm just going to call it quits. Right. I mean, it's oh, probably hey, good. We- we had a bad quarter. It's time to kind of rein in uh, costs a little bit. Let's get uh, get this off the books. And it's just like an yeah. entire island of people that are just thrust into poverty with or poverty with like, you know, there's, just destroys the island. They're the just like, just is the that in the sustainability plan? Like, are they trying to do a sustainable economy? Because I don't I don't think they're going towards that. Uh, that type of sustainability. It seems to be just completely based in, um, you know, health and wellness and perhaps food cultivation, right? Hey, real quick, let's interject this in there. Shout out to Illumio for joining us, man. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, like, subscribe, comment, share us with your friends, start a fight with us. We have a section called uh, Fight Time. So if you, you know, if you don't like what we're saying, <laughs> please fight us uh, in the comments. We'd love to fight you back if uh, you disagree with any, any of our takes here and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get back at you and talk about it on the next episode, but uh, back to the Island thing. So, I mean, here's a question though, a fundamental question, right? Like if he's allowed, if someone's allowed to buy an entire Island, like they're good, right. Or an Island of this size, mm-hmm. going to do it. Right. Should he be allowed to, or is that like government overreach, government overstep? You know, I think a lot of times, like, you know, you have all these laissez-faire boys running around out there trying to say, oh, government shouldn't intervene in anything, right? Uh, you know, let the economy and, uh, and efficiency sort itself out. But in, you know, in this, and certainly in California, with all the, you know, all the, uh, land rights and, and, uh, and stuff they have going out there, uh, you know, which artificially increases property costs, you know, and makes it pretty much uh, un, un uh, affordable for a, a large majority of the country, 
right? Like there's arguments you made, um, but you know, is should there be some government uh, intervention here? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm surprised that on a federal or state level, like that, that state of Hawaii is the perfect example sticking to this. Um, I'm surprised there isn't kind of like a development board situation where if you're trying to become a major landholder in the state, a board has to approve or deny your request to, to purchase that land, whether or not you're doing it in one swoop, in one transaction, or if you're going plot by plot and just scooping things up. I'm surprised that becoming greater than a 1% stakeholder in terms of you know square miles or square acreage is uh, pretty much uninhibited. Like You can pretty much go ahead and do that. I don't know of any type of blockage. And I want to I wanna bring another point into this conversation, Travis, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg and his wife, they've been buying tons of property on Kauai, another Hawaiian island, right? He just bought, let's see, I think a couple months ago, back in January or December, he bought $17 million worth of uh, land on Kauai. And he now owns more than 1,400 or 1,500 acres, right? Well, Kauai, I just just looked this up. Kauai is only 353,000 acres. So Zuck... If he doubles his holdings real quick and they like the island, he'll own a percent of it. I mean, wow. that's that's pretty incredible. That's a huge player. Yeah, that's nuts, man. I mean, here's another thing. Like, Hawaii's, like, you know, I think of Hawaii in my brain, right? I think of, like, fucking badass, cool Hawaiian guys just, you know, ripping it up in the surf, throwing some beers back, hot babes. Like, Zuckerberg, it doesn't matter how much money he's going to make. He's always going to be a huge freaking nerd, dude. And, like, I think <laughs> the government needs to step in. We can't have all these tech nerds ruining Hawaii for for everybody else, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. God, I, dude. At a minimum, I want a sneak peek, and I want to know his intention. Like, does he just love the dreamy idea of having this giant estate, kind of this, you know, Gatsby-esque type of, like, portfolio he's putting together, and it'll just be the luxurious estate that no one else on the island can have? Or is he just more or less trying to just take over, you know, a an earthly monument, right? These guys just want to own the whole island just to say, fuck you. I, I don't know, man. I'd love to peer into what the financial and, like, overarching uh, decision-making is on that for both these guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, let's ag- at least, like, agree on something moving forward. Here, like... No more tech nerds buying any, like they should, you know, the, the state legislature of Hawaii should pass a bill. Like no more freaking nerdy white guys buying entire <laughs> islands here, dude, you know? Yeah. And, and in Hawaii, like I'm also surprised that when you kind of get into that topic, uh, I guess it's a, you know, it's a American state. I guess anyone can buy there, but there's definitely been uh, no protection since what the fifties, I think in 53, it became a state or something like that. Maybe 63 for that matter, but there's been no protection for, uh, uh, Hawaiian inhabitants that were there long before, uh, Americans decided to screw it all up. <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, at least that- how I feel when I'm in Honolulu looking at the strip mall on the beach. I'm like, what? asshole developer came up with this idea yeah yeah oh that's it's just you know that whole strip mall right there in waikiki is just way too much it's they just kind of ruined it but uh uh Illumio brings up a good point here 
you know, there's a serious brain drain occurring in Hawaii because, um, you know, all the kids who can get a really good education end up like, right. you know, t- most of them don't go to U of H. They leave and, you know, go to the States and a lot of them don't come back. So uh, maybe this is a good thing. You know, you never know. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for joining uh, joining the conversation here, man. I My app wasn't updating. I'm glad to see uh, you're participating. We usually get a couple people every time. So that's pretty great. Um, no, that's absolutely true. And my my wife has a few friends from Hawaii, Hawaii. We know a few people from there, a few physicians and otherwise, and they just really don't have a deep-seated desire to to stay on the island by any means. Uh, you know, the United States is good at that. We're really good at just draining talent from every other country on Earth. And, uh, you know, getting back into kind of the financial side of our podcast, Travis, Canada right now is pretty much absorbing the bulk of what should be our immigrants. That's been going on for about two years. And it's so much more immigration to Canada than um, they've historically had that it is just jacking up, or at least it's one of the many factors jacking up the real estate market over on the East Coast, Halifax and St. John specifically. The amount of immigration that is coming into that particular area is just sending housing prices sky high. And there's been tons of, you've got thousands of, Ch- of Chinese buying you know, properties over in Vancouver. You have interest rates themselves being lowered to pretty much zero. There's a lot of factors there. But the United States' normal immigration pattern has all gone to Canada for the last 24, 24 months. And by the way, Canada is one-tenth the population of the United States, and most of that population is concentrated uh, basically in three cities. So uh, that's a huge, huge... Yeah, and, and within, uh, I think it's like something like you know 98% of the population lives within like 50 miles of the uh, U.S.-Canada border. But yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, just think of how many world-changing tech companies there are whose founder was an immigrant, you know, whether, oh, yeah, you know, or, or, you know, their parents immigrated here, right? I think you see that a lot where um, the children of immigrants really, uh, you know, reap the best of both worlds where, you know, they have that hard, never quit, like gonna always make it, uh, you know, um, force from their parents combined with, you know, growing up in a country that objectively, you know, has been Dude. economic powerhouse of the world for the you know better part of a, you know, 150 years. Without a doubt. I mean, I think you and I are pretty much quintessential middle and upper middle class white dudes who have been in the United States for a couple generations or whatever. And frankly, like the stuff I'm doing today, when you get into my personal life and the company and whatnot, I don't need to be doing any of that. Like all the struggle in my life is just self-imposed. I, I, could, I would be just fine if I just kept going about my day, right? But these guys yeah. come over here with, with you know two cents to their name and there's nothing there but hunger, right? You're just driven to go hard in the paint and do as much as you can. And the sky's the limit. But when I look around at all the people I grew up with in, you know, in a 60,000 person, uh, mostly blue collar town, like everyone's pretty satisfied and, you know, there isn't really a reason to pick your head up and look around and think about the large possibilities that are out there. But if you came to a country like this with nothing to your name and you're like, all right, what should we do? Yeah, you sure as hell, (laughs) a lot of people sure as hell wouldn't be satisfied with just moving with the status quo and you're going to get a lot more people that just 
try to set up the dream life, baby. You might as well, if you're going to go across the world and set up shop somewhere else, you might as well shoot big, right? And like you said, you see tons of kids, you know, whose parents brought them here and they're like, hell yeah, let's, let's double down and see how far we can go here. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, one thing to add into that, um, you said we're both middle-class white dudes. Well, Hey, my people weren't white. We were Irish until about like <laughs> 1920. Okay. okay. We, just, we just became white around then. All right. Uh, just kidding. Oh no. Woe is me. Hey dude. Hey, jumping oh, back, good. jumping back to the islands real quick. I've got one more little factoid that I think is worth yeah. throwing in here. Zuckerberg and his wife, this reservoir, this land they most recently bought, they've done a few transactions. Okay. Um, let me make sure I get this right. This most recent transaction is a giant reservoir, basically a valley in between the peaks, right? And they bought it from a company that's actually owned by a family. They bought it out of a family portfolio. And the patriarch of this uh, family was jailed for seven months in 2014 after a big flood on Kauai, in which seven people were killed as they were swept downstream on their oh, property, geez. apparently. That man was released in 2015 and died at the age of 91 in 2017. So I need to dive into this story. It's probably not podcast worthy, but we're talking about a man in his 80s who owns hundreds of acres on Kauai, who is effectively held responsible for the deaths of seven people when a flood sweeps them downstream on the island. And he goes to jail for it and spends multiple years there before dying at the age of 90. Like, what is that about? That's, yeah, that's kind of I guarantee, I guarantee you he didn't have $90 billion in the bank. That's for sure. <laughs> that man's family and the state and the island of Kauai, or excuse me, the county of Kauai, among other groups, paid $25 million in 2019 to, set, to settle civil lawsuits that were brought on by families of those seven flood victims. That is nuts. I'm sorry. I'm wow. going to have to do a dive after this. I get so distracted on the internet with all the different things and, and you know stories out there. But, uh, dude, I need to uh, look into that. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that is uh, that's some, something we, we may have to investigate together maybe in a later episode. But we are uh, coming up on our uh, typical mark here, dude. You got anything else? Yeah. In fact, uh, my chat just updated and Illumio was throwing th some things in here. So I want to, want to do him a good service here. Uh, he was saying, Fat Mac Buddha, do you subscribe to the idea that a major depression is imminent? Uh, recession, of course he meant recession. Uh, do I think a major recession is imminent? No, I don't. I think the fed will just turn the faucet back on and save the day. Once again, I really don't even think it's a huge deal. I mean, what we're doing right now is taking a gut punch um, to basically get people to stop throwing money everywhere and stop the velocity of money, keep people from spending, right? Everyone needs to think twice about whether or not they need to buy that lumber or that candy bar or that house. That's all that's really going on. And now it's more costly to get your hands on more money because interest rates are higher, right? I deal with that in my, uh, in my business outside of this podcast, which is not my primary business, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a giant gut punch to everybody, and all they really have to do is lower rates again, and we all go back to you know following the yellow brick road and just having a good old time buying whatever we want at you know zero percent interest, basically. Um, 
pick up a, a book on modern monetary theory. There's a couple of good ones out there. Just do a quick Google search and um, see see what you think about it. It's a lot different than the Austrian <laughs> school of economics, which preaches a completely different theory of how the world works. But um, realistically, MMT is basically um, ruling the political train of thought right now, and they're getting their way. So that's what we've got, and that's what we're dealing with. But honestly, man, recession, no. Yeah, it's going to flatten out. Things are going to you know, dial down a bit. But everyone, everyone especially everyone under the age of 40 is just used to things going up and up and becoming more and more expensive or becoming more and more valuable, whatever the case is. Uh, but that's largely the case because we've, we've been without risk. It's not just about price tag. The Fed has just eliminated risk from the markets again and again and again. And uh, it's about time that some risk was brought back in. So we'll see how long this lasts. But uh, on this same topic, the United States has uh, so much debt that changing our debts rate, which, by the way, the debt is repurposed and reissued on an average of every five years now. So the entire interest rate of our nation's debt will be, it could be completely different over a five-year time period. And if the rate was to be a percent higher, it would cost us about $300 billion more annually. So that in and of itself would be extremely damaging to our economy. And it's probably a great incentive for the Fed to... uh to keep rates as low as possible. I consider it to be kind of an invisible barrier to how high we can really go because we're going to feel pain and there's going to be a lot of incentive for them to lower it once again. Uh, there's a lot of literature on, out there on our current debt and how in the last couple of years we basically bought a bunch of short-term loans um, and put all, of our, put all of our financial obligations into that, like a bunch of jackasses. So uh, re- spend some time this weekend on the internet reading. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually um, tackling this book right now called When Money Dies, um, and it's about the uh, hyperinflation experienced by Germany shortly after uh, they're forced to pay all the uh, war reparations at the, for the Treaty of Versailles after World War One, and um, you know, to literally talking about um, you know what happens to not you know not obviously you know not not just on a monetary policy but like what happens to the psyche of the individual like what happened to neighborhoods and it's a cool case study in uh hyperinflation um so you know if you're out there and you're looking for uh something like that to read um uh go check that out you know there's a lot of kind of kind of parallels uh that i could draw between you know, the beginning stages of what Germany uh, was experiencing shortly after World War One, and, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, increased prices that we've been seeing for, uh, you know, everyday goods here. Um, but yeah, go ahead and check that one out. Um, when money dies. Dude, I literally just bought that off of uh, Audible while you're speaking. That's a great, great suggestion. I've never read that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Illumio, what uh, what country are you in, man? You've got your currency pegged to the USD. Uh, I don't know if I feel good or sorry for you, man. Where are you? Uh, aside from that, though, that will probably take a second to get that into the chat. I think, if anything, you know, forget about future future finances and monetary theory. It behooves us to just understand how inflation happened in the '70s and, and study Myanmar, Germany, right, and understand how we've created these catastrophes because between you and I, Buddha, 
I don't really care if there's a financial catastrophe that comes up in the next 5, 10, 50 years because I feel like I can probably benefit from that regardless of what happens. And if there's a delta and there's a change in valuations, I'll figure out how to make money on it. I've done it before, I'm doing it now, and I'm going to do it in the future. So frankly, I like the fast change of pace, but the fact of the matter is you need to be paying attention and stay aware. The smartest people, including myself, the smartest people... <laughs> don't necessarily make money. The people who make money are the people paying attention. And if I'm good at one thing, it's just sitting there on my phone paying attention. <laughs> like you don't have to know how everything works or how to explain everything. So long as you're paying attention to what's going on and how things are changing, it's not too difficult to stay on the right side of a trade. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. Maybe you won't pick up investors because they'll realize you can't explain everything about the economy, and that's just fine. So long as you're doing the right thing with your own dollars, you'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, Illumio is on the island of Krakow? What? Kirk, yeah, right? Yeah, it looks yeah, like it. Let's check A Dutch out Caribbean island. Oh, right, just north of South America. Is that where we're at here? Yeah. Yeah, just off of uh, Venezuela, Aruba, right next door. Yeah, it felt familiar. I have not been to Aruba. I feel like I hear of Aruba a lot more than Krakow. Um, but dang, man, Travis, we should we should take a vacation and go go check it out. Yeah, it looks beautiful, man. Awesome, awesome. Wow, it's cool to. See, it's kind of um, different to see that European like architecture, like right on the uh, you know in South America. It's I don't know. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah I'm looking cool. I'm looking at you guys on Google Maps. This is great. Thanks for joining us, man. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in here. Uh, Bradley, you got anything else? Travis, I'm just about out of rounds, man. Um, looking forward to discussing islands and other estates in the future. Yeah, me too. Um, Illumio, sorry, man. I hope uh, America doesn't produce some tech nerd who buys the uh, uh, if some tech nerd tries to buy your island, call us. We'll we'll freaking get that protest going. Yeah, dude, we'll give him a uh, a swirly in the toilet because I'm sure he's a freaking nerd. All right. <laughs> See you, Buddha. All right, dude. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.